Huh, apparently it's been a while. So I tell you what, I'm going to give myself two minutes to cover everything that we didn't cover since the last time we talked. All right, uh, let's start with news. Malaysian Airlines, random flight disappearances. Ebola, Michael Brown, ISIS, Bill Cosby is accused of rape. The polar vortex. Ukraine, net neutrality maybe? Recalls by GM because your car might just stop working. How do you get to the White House, man? Oh, you just hop that fence and run like a motherfucker! Robin Williams. Domestic violence in the NFL? U.S.-Cuba relations are warming up. Landing on a motherfucking comet. How about movies and TV? Everything is awesome! I'm Matthew McConaughey and I'm teaching Jack from Titanic how to beat his chest and trade stocks. Oh. Do you want to build a snowman? I'm Matthew McConaughey and I'm a cowboy with AIDS. I am Groot. I'm Matthew McConaughey, and I'm a true detective who has lost faith in mankind. She will be our Mockingjay. I'm Matthew McConaughey, and I'm flying into a black hole that leads into the infinite void of my own home library, because that makes sense. Logan, you must go to the past and save the mutants. Engage. I'm Matthew McConaughey, and I'm selling a Lincoln. Tom Cruise discovers he can die and just start over again and again and again. A lot like his career. You suck! Oh, like you weren't thinking it. I'm the doctor, and I have attack eyebrows. Apparently, all it takes to be a superhero is screwed-up nerve endings and a dangerously violent Chloe Moretz. Great movie dies. A mediocre sequel lives. Not a fair trade. Okay, so, yeah, it's been a while. Um, hope everybody's doing okay. Uh, I have just been super busy, and among other things, sometimes it's just really hard to sit down and do a podcast. Sometimes it's hard to figure out what to say, so I took a little bit of a respite, and uh, I won't promise I won't take more, but I'm here now, so hopefully we can enjoy this time together. I want to give a quick shout-out uh, to Crystal and Chris, since they keep pushing me to do this thing. The reason you've got a podcast right now is uh, because of the people that tell me to do it. Uh, another podcaster that frequently tells me I should publish another and is irritated by the fact that I don't is uh, Matt of Mad Chat with Matt and Chad. So, shout-outs to both of you guys. Thanks for keeping me at least uh, interested in my art a little bit. Hopefully the content is worth it, and hopefully you enjoy it. So, stuff of the week. Uh, one of my favorite words came up in a show the other day, and I just think it's an interesting word because it's not used very often, and it's really it's really cool sounding. Um, I'm not sure where it originates from, but that's airsats, E R S A T Z, and what airsats means is it's a replacement for something, but usually an inferior replacement. You might use a broken escalator as airsats stairs. They aren't really made to be stairs, they're less comfortable on your feet, but they will work for the job of replacing stairs. 80s TV show of the week. Uh, Roseanne came up in conversation a couple of days ago, and I, I just wanted to plug out there that I have a lot of respect for that TV show for... Being able to mix drama and comedy the way that it did in a time where that wasn't the most common thing you would see around. 
Further, uh, I don't know how many people know this or not, but Joss Whedon was actually a script doctor on that show. He wrote a couple of uh, the episodes, and uh, that's kind of where he got his big break. So, a uh, special shout-out to Roseanne. Despite the really weird, kind of creepy, it-was-all-a-dream ending um, that made everybody sad. In case you're unaware, the way that Roseanne ended, the very last season, they had won the lottery, and everybody was you know, using their winnings, and it was all about what the Roseanne family, what the family would do with their money after they won it. And then the last episode goes back to show that this is all, the last season had all been Roseanne's imagination. She had written it down because, you know, she had always kind of aspired to be a writer, and she did it as a way to cope because Dan had died of a heart attack. And... You know, talk about taking an extreme left turn after a while. It it was very stunning for the audience. I've never seen the episode in question. Um, I might someday watch it, but I remember hearing about it, and just the thought of that idea is creepy and sad. Um, So, interesting choice. I can see why they kind of decided to make it, you know, sort of a... We've gone fantastic, but reality isn't always fantastic. Um, Sad that they had to kill a character to do it, but, you know, Joss Whedon did write for that show, so maybe it was partially his idea. He likes to kill characters. But anyway, so that's the stuff of the week. I wanted to spend a little bit of this podcast talking about some of the reason that I haven't podcasted a lot, and that's related to depression. I've seen a lot of articles, particularly since uh, Robin Williams passed, about how depression affects people and how people who aren't suffering from it don't completely understand it. And I thought I might just share my experience in the hopes that maybe if, if it means something to somebody else, or if it helps somebody who's helping someone deal with depression understand what that person is going through, then all the better. What's a little bit annoying with depression is people feel like it's a choice. Or they treat it like it's a choice even though they know that it's not. I saw an interesting article about Robin Williams from a guy who was talking about him choosing to end his life and how the person who said that was very irritated at that portrayal, and I can definitely agree with it. As I've mentioned on the podcast before, I've had a brother who ended his life, but I wouldn't necessarily say that the choice was in his hands. It certainly wasn't in his right mind at the time. So the way I'd instead portray it was kind of the way this author portrayed it. He saw the news about Robin Williams and despite the fact that he's going, the author was going through his own depression and doing fine with it, you know, managing it as well as he could, it reminded him that no one's immune, and it's an extremely dangerous disease. It's an extremely dangerous disorder to have to go through. Because no one is immune from that threat that eventually your, ma- your mind might make you think about doing something that you wouldn't want done to yourself. And, you know, Robin Williams is a guy who's arguably extremely successful. Um, And from most of what I've read about him, he's also just a stand-up guy. 
helped a lot of people, really, really just the nicest guy you could ever see. But he went through this and he lost to it. And that was a stark reminder that really any of us who are suffering could theoretically lose to it. So the first thing I want to say is depression is not a choice. Suicide is not a choice. It's not something anybody would want. And I think that understanding that, if you can get that through your head, that no one is choosing to be depressed, and despite the fact that they may be annoying to deal with when they are depressed, they'd prefer to be any other thing, you'll be ahead of the game in helping them out. I've been reading the Hyperbole and a Half comic about depression. I don't know how many people uh, here might read that one. It's really funny. Uh, It's by a lady named Allie Brosh. It's at hyperboleandahalf.com. And she uses kind of like crude drawings in a humorous manner to explain things about her life. And she is really funny. But she took a long hiatus, um, several year hiatus, actually. And when she came back, her comics that she posted, the two blog posts that she put up, were about depression and about her going through it. And what people don't understand is depression doesn't look like any one thing. Everybody's depression symptoms are different. And even more to the point, one single person's depression symptoms change as they go through it. So, for example, you might be really blue one day, really sad, down. Uh, The next day you might be scared or anxious, think that there's nothing good in the world, uh, nothing left for you, and you're afraid of what's going to happen. The next day, you might try to feel something and feel nothing at all. Um, For me, that last bit characterizes my depression most often. It's an attempt to feel something when you can't. The things that you once enjoyed seem to have no, no spark in them, Your go-to entertainment doesn't seem to do anything for you. Everything seems a little bit gray. And the problem with being in this state, particularly if you're socially aware, if you are aware of what other people might feel when they're around you, is that it comes with this cycle of guilt. So someone who's depressed is aware of the fact that they're affecting other people that they're hanging out with. They don't want to be alone because being alone when you're depressed for a long period of time can be dangerous. And even I myself have sort of thought, well, maybe bringing people around and into my situation will help me out. And there are other times where I just don't want to be around anybody at all. But nevertheless, when I'm around people, if I can't help but feel depressed, there's this vicious cycle that happens when it comes into stark relief that my depression is visible to those people. And that is a vicious circle because what that creates is that guilt creates sadness in me that I'm not better, that I'm not doing better, that I'm not living up to these people's expectations of me. And that causes me to be more depressed, exhibit more symptoms, feel the same feedback, and go the same again. So social interaction becomes this interesting dance of self-loathing sometimes. Um, Hyperbole and a half really touches off on that. 
and touches off on how some of the way that she got through it uh, at the end of her first comic was to see it as a sense of immunity, to stop caring what other people thought because there's nothing she can do about it and why not just use that to her advantage? But you can't always do that. And not everybody can ever do that. I mean, there are some people who just... One of the things they worry about is what's socially acceptable. South Park also did a really good episode about depression. And uh, it really hit the nail on the head for me as far as what it feels like 99% of the time. So Stan starts listening to the music that all of his friends are into, and he notices that it all sounds like shit. Now, of course, since it's a South Park, they take it as literal as possible. It sounds like defecation noises. He goes to watch TV or watch the movies, and it all looks like shit. And since this is South Park, it all looks like literal feces. But the point that they're trying to make is this isn't a state he wanted to be in. And when he voiced his opinion, when he voiced what he just saw in his own life, more and more people abandoned him. Even his best friend, Kyle, abandoned him. So he began to fake it. He began to pretend like he was having a good time. He pretended like he was enjoying what he saw, when really he was deriving no enjoyment out of it whatsoever. But he did that because it helped him get by socially. And when he went to see the doctor, the doctor looked at him and sort of said, oh, I see the problem here. This happens a lot. You're a cynical asshole. There's no cure. And while that was funny, that's what it feels like. It feels like the world is telling people who are depressed and people who can't derive joy out of the things that they, quote, ought to be able to derive joy out of, that they're jerks for doing it. They, why are they putting the rest of the people in the world through their misery? And that's a really bothersome stance on depression because it leaves that person in in a place where they have no options but self-denial. That's not okay. I once had a blog, and I really enjoyed writing in the blog I enjoyed making puns, and then eventually I wrote my own software to handle the blog, so it was fun to write the software that handles the blog as well as write the blog. And I got a lot of positive feedback on it. People liked reading what I had to say. But after a while, when I got into a depressive place and I found that I couldn't enjoy writing it, it became increasingly difficult to actually go do it. It felt pointless. It felt like something that I was doing for no reason. Nobody could ever possibly like this, even though I had feedback to say that they did. That's a really hard thing to reconcile in your mind when you first tackle it. And this podcast is no different. I've had a lot of feedback from my friends who enjoy listening to it, who enjoy kind of having this We'll say conversation replacement, since so many of my friends are so far away. But despite the fact that I know people like it, I also feel like there's nothing to like about it. I listen to my own voice and don't enjoy it and feel even a little ashamed at what I hear. And that's depression. I mean, that that's how that works, at least for me in a lot of cases, because much like Kyle, I listen to my own playback and I hear, you know, 
not literal defecation noises, but I hear shit. And so it's hard to keep building it because what's the purpose of building something that you wouldn't listen to yourself? Even though I enjoy a lot of other people's podcasts that I know are similar to mine. The second point I'll make here, if you're dealing with somebody who's going through this, it isn't rational. And I know that that's, that's obvious, but I don't always think that that's obvious in the moment. And I think it stands, it, it helps to be said. It might seem like the obvious thing for you to say is, what you're saying doesn't make sense. Think about it for a minute. Blah, blah, blah. These things. Here's all your evidence. Yada, yada. For me, that doesn't work. And if I'm going to be completely blunt, the reason it doesn't work is because you're just making me feel guilty for not being able to feel the things that make the most sense. I'm a logical person. And I think it makes a lot of sense in logical terms to say, hey, you know, these feelings make no sense. That doesn't make any of it go away. That doesn't make any of it less hurtful or less draining. But now I've got this place where I have to deal with the fact that despite having something I don't want, it's also something it doesn't make any sense that I continue to give credence to. If you say things like, why don't you just try and feel better? Or, you know that's not true because this, this, and this. I know you're trying to help in a lot of cases, but one of the things that you could be doing is you could be making them feel guilty for feeling the way that they feel. What might be more helpful instead is to say something along the lines of, I understand that you're going through this. I can't know how it feels, but it's valid to feel it. If you want to talk about it, you can let me know. If you don't want to talk about it and just want to hang out, that's cool too. Also, be patient with them. If somebody is suffering from depression, they're not going to be entirely there. And the reason they're not going to be entirely there is because they're working through something that causes their brain chemistry to not engage with the world properly. Having depression is a lot like having a slipping clutch on a car. You can still drive it. But you'll feel like it's not, it's not entirely driving. So sometimes the clutch may slip. Sometimes you may notice they're either off in their own world, or they look sad, or they look down. You can say something like, hey, do you want to talk about whatever's going on? But don't say, hey, feel better. Because, hey, feel better doesn't help them. Giving a command doesn't help someone who can't control what's happening. Another thing that I might point out that a lot of people say, and I think that this is, I'm also just going to be really blunt here. I've had a lot of friends say, hey, I know what you're going through. I know where you're trying to go with that, and I know how helpful you're trying to be. Something to remember, and if it helps, try to remember what would happen if our roles were reversed. If you were depressed for some reason, and I said, hey, I know what you're going through. You don't. That's not because you've never been depressed. That's not because you've never been depressed and have had the same symptoms that they have in very similar ways. The reason you don't know what they're going through is at that moment you have the capability to say, hey, I know what you're going through, which is maybe more than they'd be capable of saying if the roles were reversed. You're 
putting yourself in a position where you're making it so you're saying, I know your feelings. And that does a couple of things. It puts them in a box where if they don't feel like it's similar to you, they don't want to offend you by telling you. And two, if they find it dissimilar, they no longer feel like they can tell you about it because you shut down that avenue of communication. You've said, okay, I know what you're going through, which is kind of another way of saying, I don't need to hear any more about this. And that's what they'll hear, even if you don't mean it that way. Because remember, it's a cycle of self-loathing. So be really cautious with empathy. Empathy is important. Empathy and trying to understand their position is important. But tune it with listening. Not with, this is my experience and how much like my experience yours is. And now the conversation's about me and I don't have to have the uncomfortableness of having the depressed guy talk to me about depression or choose not to talk to me about depression and choose to be silent about it if that is his or her choice. The point being is don't shut down communication because you think you know what they're feeling. A, even if you do, you're making them feel marginalized. And if you don't, but think you do, you've now closed off the opportunity to hear what your friend wants. Or needs. So finally, I mean, I just want to go over just some quick bullet points again of what you can do to really help. Listen if somebody wants to talk. Don't push them if they don't. And if they indicate that they want your company but also seem to be disengaged, be patient. Second, validate that it sucks. Like if you can tell someone, man, I'm really sorry that you're going through this and it sucks. That could mean the whole world, because you've essentially said to that person, your feelings are real, and not only are they real, your reaction to them makes sense. It may not be rational, but it makes sense. And that's kind of a subtle difference, but it's something that can help somebody get out of that shame spiral. And finally, you might suggest ways that You've gotten out of your own depression. Now, again, I'll tenor that with be careful not to compare. You know, their pain isn't your pain. But you might say, hey, I went through stuff that's not exactly like this, but similar. Here's what I did to help myself. If you know a really great therapist, throw that out there for them. I'm not one of those people that feels like nothing should ever be medicated. I think sometimes medication helps us deal with the problem so that we don't spiral down too far. My thoughts on medication are this. It's probably not going to solve the problem, but it'll make the problem manageable enough that you have the opportunity to solve it. Be cautious with people who are depressed. Be patient with people who are depressed. And understand that podcasters who are depressed may take a really long time to write another podcast. And that is okay. So, after that depressing subject, uh, let's talk about some personal stuff. Um, working at NPR is still going really well. Um, really enjoying the work. Still doing some neat uh, radio-style stuff, for example. I'm still working on their emergency weather service and trying to help them get that into 
a really modern system and helping them make it so that it's robust enough that it could survive some hardware failures that, you know, could happen at any point in time. And that's just been a really interesting problem because anywhere else I would work, I wouldn't be faced with the problem of, you know, we have X many radio stations. How do we make certain we can broadcast emergency weather to all of them? And second, that's really kind of fun because it also is something that could save a life. Like this could be really important. So that's been going really well. Uh, Adrian and I had some really good Christmases. Um, we went to her family's for uh, Christmas and Christmas Eve, and we enjoyed some good times out there. Uh, we went to see my folks shortly thereafter, and that was a really good time as well. We hosted the family at my mom and dad's place, which is hectic, but a lot of fun as well. Um, and it was just great to see everybody. I know that there are some folks in Indiana who I didn't get to see, some friends. We didn't have a ton of time. We kind of did a run in and run out, and we made it about family first. So if I didn't get to you, I'm really, really sorry. It's not a personal thing, I promise you. It's just a matter of, well, there's X amount of time available before we have to make the 10-hour drive back. Here's what we're going to fit in. And if we miss somebody, well, that, then we have to miss somebody. Adrian and I went to the Bahamas for her birthday, which was perfect because her birthday is January 13th, which is not the most pleasant time in Minnesota. Now, even though our winter has been very mild, we left right as a cold snap was happening. So we left from like zero to slightly negative degrees and went and just hung out in the Bahamas at like 72 for a few days. Um, the first day we went to uh, Freeport, did a little bit of shopping, of course a little bit of hair braiding because that's the Bahamas thing. Uh, then we went to the beach on Freeport and just had a really good time there. Laid out in the sun, played in the ocean, just, just a really nice relaxing time. I ate uh, conch for the first time. I had no idea that people ate those. Um, they are delicious. If you're into calamari, I suggest you try conch if you're someplace that happens to make it. The second day, we were at Nassau, and we actually scheduled an excursion, so we went snorkeling over a reef, uh, and it was really neat because Adrian and I caught sight of a sea turtle and actually irritated the instructor because we swam a little bit further from the boat then they would prefer following the sea turtle, but hey, it's a sea turtle. He knows where he's going, right? I mean, this is this is his realm. I'm just kidding. I know that I could get myself in trouble with swimming too far away from a boat, but it was it was neat to see, and it was something that Adrian and I got to share that not everybody saw on the trip who you know happened to pay for it. So that was that was pretty cool. And then the third day was at sea, so we read a lot. We did some of the excursions on the boat. We enjoyed some of the shows, which by the way, Carnival actually puts on a pretty good show considering, you know, you're on a cruise ship in the middle of the ocean. Went to see some comedy. That was really funny. Uh, got made fun of because it was Adrian's 30th birthday. But all in all, it was a great respite. So I always like to take trips, if possible, someplace warm during the beginning of the year, because then you can kind of choose to forget <laughs> about the cold. And when we came back, the cold snap had passed and we were looking at like 30 degree temperatures. So it was palatable here too. 
one thing I just realized that I forgot in the beginning. Um, I wanted to give a special shout out to Sarah Gerald and Bobby Lamberson. Uh, congratulations on getting engaged, you guys. So, um, extra shout out in the middle of the podcast. This will prove whether or not people are listening. So if people know that that happened, they at least got this far. They got through the depression stuff. So it's all, it's all downhill and fun from here, I hope. Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, congratulations, guys. Um, I really think you guys make a great couple and, uh, wish you all the best. So media, movies, TV, video games, what have I been watching or reading or doing or playing or whatever recently? I've gotten into a, um, adult swim cartoon that I think is smarter than anybody gives it credit for. And I shouldn't say that a lot. The people who are tight fans of this show really love it for how cerebral it is. But I think being on Adult Swim, people think it's just going to be manic and not necessarily a thinker's show, and I completely disagree with them on this. It's called Rick and Morty, and the premise is Morty is the grandson of Rick. Rick is a mad scientist who's created a portal gun that can take him to other dimensions, and he takes a very reluctant and timid Morty with him on all of these adventures. So Morty's kind of your straight man. Rick is your crazy guy. And they just have a lot of really deep humor. If you're into science fiction, if you're into horror, they make a ton of references that are really funny. Um, they're self-deprecating. Uh, not On not more than one occasion, somebody refers to Rick and Morty's adventures as, oh, well, you're going on another one of your high-concept adventures. Which is not something you would say in real life, obviously. It's a gem. And I bought the DVDs of the first season. And even watching the DVDs, I catch jokes that I missed the first time around. So it's another one of those kinds of shows, too, where it's there's a lot of very layered humor. So shameless plug for Rick and Morty, primarily because uh, Adult Swim has a very specific audience. And I want to make certain that people who might be outside that audience tune in and give it a shot. I've been playing a lot of Shovel Knight. I don't know if anybody has played that. It is a 2D platformer a la Mega Man. That's probably the biggest influence I can tell from it. There are several other games that are inspired by it. And so much nostalgia. It is an amazing game. Not only are the controls like butter, so they say. It's it's a very well-controlled game. It is not too difficult that you would be aggravated like kind of the Mega Man 9 and 10s ended up being. It's just the right amount of difficulty, and the controls are so pristine, you know that if he dies, you did it. The game does not cheat you. And on top of that, it has a great chiptunes soundtrack. It has 8-bit aesthetics, so it looks like an old NES game. And I have been playing the shit out of it. It is available for the computer. I think that it's on several of the consoles. Uh, the place I've played it the most, just because it's portable and convenient, it's on the uh, Nintendo D- 3DS store. So you could buy it there. And the 3D is kind of cool. I wouldn't recommend leaving it on just because, you know, the 3D on the 3DS tends to give people headaches. But it's it's worth at least looking at in 3D first before you really get into playing it, just because bringing some of the sprites forward and setting some of the sprites back is a really kind of cool retro future effect. 
Uh, saw a couple movies. Um, let's go with The Dark first. Adrian and I watched Snowpiercer and loved it, but it is super dark. The premise being we, um, in our attempt to fix global warming, we decided to put a chemical into the air that would cause more of a mass freezing, so would cool down the earth. And we overcorrected. We basically made life on Earth impossible because it was too cold. And in the meantime, a crazy person had built a train that does a giant circuit around a good portion of the Earth. And that train is completely self-sustaining. So the people on that train are the only people left alive on the Earth. And it's all about how a caste system forms on the train how the train creates logistical problems, just being able to, you know, being able to keep a train like that going and what that takes. And it's a really dark and interesting look. So if you like post-apocalyptic stuff, if you like classic science fiction, if you like Bradbury or Clark, I'd really recommend Snowpiercer. Last time I checked, it was for free on Netflix. Um, Another one that we recently watched because it was an Oscar winner was Gone Girl. That movie was not at all what I expected it to be. And I feel like if I say any more than that, I will ruin it for anybody who is planning on watching it. But it is a really great film. Um, Ben Affleck actually does a fantastic job with it. The female lead, whose name escapes me at the moment, does a fantastic job with it as well. But it's just written in such a way that it takes you on turns you never predicted when you first saw the beginning of the film. Um, And then, to go on a lighter side, Adrian and I watched the John Farvo movie Chef. And if you want just a feel-good movie with a lot of star power, actually... There's uh, John Leguizamo is in it. Dustin Hoffman is in it. There are a couple of other notables. Uh, Scarlett Johansson. I think Eva Longoria is the lead female. It's a really great film. And it's kind of a... It's a overcoming the odds and making a better life for yourself kind of story. And it just... I left that movie feeling really good and really inspired. It kind of did what Rudy did for all of us when we all saw Rudy the first time. So I definitely recommend that one. That's a that's a great film. Um, I think it is free on Netflix. If not, you can definitely rent it on Amazon, um, but it might be at cost. So take a look. Enjoy it. Not as dark or, air quote, thought-provoking as the other two movies that I mentioned, but it's really good. Um, speaking of dark, one other TV show that, uh, I have Chris of Crystal and Chris to thank, um, for watching is, uh, Black Mirror. Black Mirror is easily one of the darkest television shows I have seen in years. It is, wow, I, I don't even know how to, I, there is no scale for how dark that this show goes. Um, 
the stories are all one shots. So it's kind of a la Twilight Zone without any narration. You're just sort of dropped into the middle of the story and have to figure out what's going on. And the show is about technology, either right now or where it's going in the future. And how that interaction with people could lead to some very dangerous or very disturbing results if we aren't careful. Um, I loved every episode. There are a lot of episodes that were hard to watch. There are a lot of episodes that haunted me after I finished watching them. Um, So if you're into that kind of thing, if you liked uh, Twilight Zone, Outer Limits... Um, there have been a couple of other shows that escape me at the moment that are similar in format to this. Give it a watch. It's on uh, Netflix. And just be prepared because the first episode they show is actually not the darkest episode, but it is probably the most disturbing. And as Crystal and Chris put it, and I'll put it here too, there's a bit of a trigger warning with the first episode. It's, it's, um, if you have anything post-traumatic related to sexuality, I'd really play it cautiously if you're going to watch it. Um, but anyway, that's Black Mirror. Uh, season two has already started, but they haven't released it anywhere, so I've only seen season one. I look forward to the next season. I really do. I think it was... It was definitely worth a watch, and I always like that kind of speculative fiction where it takes you to a place where it says, humanity could end up here, how do we not? Finally, I'll go into, I've been um, reading a few comics lately. Oh, 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 I've got another one that I'll start before I talk about the comics. Adrian and I decided to watch The Walking Dead, and when I say we decided to watch, we basically toasted off the whole series up till the current show in a week or two, um, just on our off time. And wow, another really, really good show that is super dark. Um, watch that one carefully too, guys. If there are some very disturbing themes in it, I think that it's a, it's a great story. They do a really good job with, uh, character development. And that's part of the reason that I keep coming back. I love when a show uh, really makes the characters develop and change over time, and Walking Dead nails that. But it also seems to walk the line back and forth between hopeful and humanity deserves to die because it's so awful, which is pretty much the way zombies typically work. Uh, The zombies are never the monsters in zombie movies. The people who are reacting to them in the best zombie movies are the real monsters. Um, but if you haven't seen that, I wonder what rock you live under, because frankly, I thought we were the last ones left who hadn't. Still a great show. The season is warming up. This current, I think it's the fifth season we're on right now, and it's starting to look really interesting too. But um, I would not necessarily recommend going the way Adrian and I did by watching the whole thing a week through. I don't, I don't think it's good for one's psyche. It's very pessimistic. <laughs> um, but anyway, really recommend that one. And now I've been reading uh, some comics as well that are recommended to me by some folks. Uh, I'm still reading Fables, and I'm still enjoying it, although 
Um, some of the latter plot lines don't hold me as much as the earlier ones did. I'm kind of hedging there because I don't want to give away anything about the series or what happens in it, but it's still a good story, and it's still an interesting story. It just doesn't have that oomph power that it had at the beginning. Uh, And I'm reading on recommendation of a bunch of friends of mine, uh, Why the Last Man? The premise for that comic is um, a plague wipes out every mammal on Earth who has a Y chromosome. So all men are dead, save one guy and his pet monkey, who is also a male. And then it just sort of talks about what society does with that. And what does that mean for the value and humanity of the one man who's left? And it's pretty well written. It can be dark, but it's not as dark as the premise might lend you to think it could be. And the characters are intriguing to say the least. I like where they're going with it so far. I'm on the second trade paperback. That My only complaint so far is I feel like they could do more with the main character as opposed to just developing the others. And we'll see what happens with that. I think that they're kind of purposefully doing that so that they can do a big reveal. But I don't know. Um, I've only read the first two books. So, I've also been reading the Walking Dead comic. All the same stuff I said about the Walking Dead show applies to the comic. Except, you know, in addition, the art style is really nice. Uh, It's all black and white, which for my eye is actually kind of tricky sometimes. I had a really hard time when I tried to read Sin City. I shouldn't say try to read. I did read it. But um, because the black and white drawings trick my eye in such a way that sometimes I don't know what I'm looking at, it can get a little frustrating with black and white comics because I don't have the gestalt necessary sometimes to completely figure out what I'm looking at, what the picture is. And I don't know what that's all about. It's a little easier with The Walking Dead because it's black and white and gray, like it uses gray to shade, whereas Sin City was all black and all white. Um, So shape was your only hint as to what you were looking at. But anyway... Uh, I think that's probably it for media and it for me. Um, Here is a quotation. As always, let me know if you know what this is from. What's going on? Why aren't you seizing the boy? Tweet me at badbraincurio or email me at bbcs at aaronmbond.com with your answer. If anybody gets it right, I will put them in a shout-out in the next podcast, whenever that may be. Uh, Hope you guys have a good time, and good night. Intro and outro music provided by Latchy Swing. Hear more of their music at freemusicarchive.org slash music slash L-A-T-C-H underscore swing. Bad Brain Curio Shop is recorded before a live studio audience of me and maybe some cats. It was recorded, produced, and distributed using open source technologies. 
It is copyright 2015 Aaron M. Bond and is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share-alike, 3.0 unported license. For more information, go to creativecommons.org.